If you would turn to two places in the scriptures this morning, Galatians 5 and Romans 12. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, the ushers have extra Bibles. You hold your hand up real high. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And everybody turn then to Galatians 5, Romans 12. You've been reading your chapters throughout the week. It's uh, everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day. Right? Monday through Friday. If you hadn't been doing that, please join us. Go back by the information booth. I got the little bookmark that's got which chapter we read. In the, if you read one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, uh, you will have read the New Testament through in its entirety in one year exactly. Works out perfect. And uh, so also, you know, we're reading the same thing. Our minds are in the same place. It helps us toward one mind and one accord. And it feeds our spirit. Feeding on the Word just does so much for you beyond what your mind even detects. His words are life to those that find them and their health and medicine to all their flesh. I've been feeding on the Word in copious amounts for decades now. And I'm so pleased with some of the things as they're developing. I'm, I'm beginning to not just see statements and ideas in the Word, I'm beginning to see His ways. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, things are beginning to connect for me. And, uh, oh, it is so precious. It shows you how to think, how to see things, how, how to live. You, you are your beliefs. Your beliefs are what you are. It's who you are. It's what you are. So what you believe makes all the difference in the world. And if you're not believing the Word, you're believing something else. And I assure you, it's not good enough. So uh, please, uh, feed yourself regularly on the Word of God. It'll do far more than you even will realize at the time. But it's cumulative. Day in, day out, week after week, month after month, it does amazing things in you. And then decades into it, things just start connecting. And they just start, you start going, whoa, okay. All right, then this means this, and this connects to that. And life just begins to get clearer and simpler to you and greater in every way. His word is life, life, life. In uh, Galatians 5 and 13, he said, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Can you take something that's very good and use it in a wrong way? Yeah, you can. You hear people often misquote the scripture and say, well, money's the root of all evil. No, it didn't say that. It said the love of money. You can do terrible stuff with money or you can do wonderful stuff with money. Right? And uh, You've been called to liberty, only don't use liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love, serve one another. Serve one another. Did the Bible tell us to serve each other? It did. And our motivation being love. Listen to the complete English version, the CEV. He said, my friends, you were chosen to be free. You know, we were called and predestined to be free. Hallelujah. That's why everything in us rebels against bondage. Nobody initially, you can get acclimated to it and subdued by it, but you're not made for it. You're made to be free. Glory. You're made to be free. Aren't you so glad God has made us free? And we're thankful for our our country and the freedoms we enjoy. Aren't we? Oh, it's not perfect. It's got a lot of problems. But I don't know how much traveling you've done. <laughs> but we enjoy some wonderful freedoms in this country. Not to be taken for granted. And he said, don't, don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. Use it as an opportunity to serve each other with love. Amen. We've been saved, redeemed, healed, delivered, prospered. Not just so we can watch TV without pain. Not just so we can go, hey, I'm free. Let's spend every waking moment making me happy. It doesn't work. 
Why have you and I been saved, healed, delivered, prospered? We're saved to serve. We've been made free to serve. That sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. Because nobody's making us serve. We're serving because we want to. Out of love. And that makes it acceptable to the Lord. And pleasing to Him. Can you say amen? Amen. Romans 12. And the first verse. Romans 12.1. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In light of the mercy that God has shown to us, we ought to willingly, gladly serve Him. The uh, Amplified Version says it like this. uh, He said, this is your reasonable service and spiritual worship. We had said previously in this series that we require some mind renewal concerning some things. When you hear the word ministry, that word has taken on some connotations it really ought not have in our modern vernacular and in church use and so-called ministry use. When you hear the word ministry, you should think service, service. And when you hear the word ministry or service, you should also think worship, worship. And again, there's some mind renewal there, isn't it? Because so many times when people hear worship, they only think of maybe holding up your hands and saying, I worship you, music, singing, or vocalization of worship. But no, the Bible calls what we do in life in our service worship. We just got through seeing the service team that uh, greets the folks after the service, or our new people in particular. And uh, if they are ministering to these folks, a handshake, a smile, an interest, genuine interest in their life, in what's going on with them, in love and faith, God calls it worship. Worship. And it's pleasing to him. And so our service is our worship. Now go with me if you would over to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4. He said, no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. He's using those in the military service to teach us about our service in the kingdom. And he said it is similar. It operates the same way. You know, more than one place he talks about this. He also said we were to endure hardness as good soldiers. How many have read the New Testament enough to know this? You see this comparison. Comparing you and me. Believers in the Lord to soldiers. And he said, no one that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Let me read this to you from the New American Standard, the NAS. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. I want you to say it out loud, active service. service. Everyday life. life. These are two different things. You, you hear the term today, civilian or military, describing two different ways of life. And they are. Those who have been in service, and most everybody else who's had people around in their family that were in service, or they've watched movies or documentaries about it, they know the scenario. That when you are, you've uh, been accepted and you are entering into a branch of military service and and you arrive to camp whatever for your basic training and your indoctrination, you step off the bus and hello. It is a new world. You're no longer at mama's house. (laughs) 
and they have a haircut for you and they have new clothes for you and new food for you, right? And new sleeping arrangements and a new schedule for you. And you are not in civilian life anymore. It's different rules. It's different ways. It's a different life, isn't it? Is he saying this is how it is to be with Christians? Is it? That when you're born again, you become a believer. You are not just to remain a civilian. And just live a so-called normal, regular, civilian life. Is that true or not? What's he saying to us? Let's read it again. The NAS, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. You have to answer to your commanding officer. You got to please him or her. You got to you got to do what they want you to do. Where in civilian life, maybe you're just doing what you want to do. Does that sound something like our text? Oh, yes, You've been made free. Only don't use your freedom. Just do what you want to do. But Be in service to one another. I want you to notice these two words here, these two terms. Active service and then everyday life. How many believers do you think are supposed to be in active service? We need to answer this question properly. How many do you think? Huh? All? All? Really? Every believer? Every believer should be in active service, you think? How many do you think are in active service? Actually. Or how many are mostly involved in everyday affairs? The enemy of your and my service to the Lord is our life. Our life. Uh, Go with me to Matthew 10. Now if it's word, it's good. Isn't it? (laughs) And if the Lord's showing us something, it's not to make us sad. The only reason you should be sad and stay sad, it's if you hear it, see it, but then just choose not to do it. Like the rich young ruler. He, he indicated to the Lord. He wanted to go all the way with him. And he told him what he needed to do in his life. And he got sad. And went away grieved. And sad. And he should not have. He could have come up to a higher place. He could have been closer to the Lord than ever. He, he could have been more useful and fruitful in the kingdom than ever. But he went away sad. Because he chose not to. Do you believe the Lord has more for every one of us? That we could, every one of us can be more effective, more useful, more beneficial to each other, to the kingdom of God. Are you willing to have this happen in your life? Are you, well, you know, if it was just, uh, took no effort or took no commitment, everybody would be doing it. Are we willing to do some things, make some changes in order to be of the full use to the Lord he would have us to be? Hey, yes is the correct answer. Yes is, is what you want to say. Matthew 10, even if you don't feel like it, yes is the right answer. How many have found out you better not go by your little feelings? Because, man, they change every few minutes. No, no, we walk by faith, not by our little feelings. Matthew 10, 36. Let's talk about this service. What is the enemy of our service to the Lord? Our own life. And if you are in active service to the Lord, you're not entangled with the affairs of this life, he said. Notice in Matthew 36, well, 37, excuse me, 37. He that, Jesus said, he that loves father or mother more than me, Is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter. 
more than me is not worthy of me. Keep reading. He and he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. Keep reading. He that finds his life, what will happen? He shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake, and other other writers say, and the Gospels, he shall find it. What's the competitor for us serving the Lord? Our life. And he describes some of that in this passage. Now we know we should love our parents, our kids, our spouse, our family. But that's not what he said. What did he say? He that loves them, verse 37, more than me. That's the problem. More than me. Above me, other translations say. Is it okay to put your family first? There's only one first slot. It cannot be shared. If your family's first, God is not. If your business is first, God is not. If you are first in your life, God is not. And there are folks that think they're being spiritual by putting their family first. Everything revolves around the kids. And they don't realize they're training them badly. Because if your life revolves around your kids and your grandkids, you are teaching them to do the same with their kids and with their self. You're not teaching them to put God first. You're teaching them to put their self and theirs first. So we say, well, it's not me. It's my kids. Yeah, your kids is putting you first. Your kids. And so if everything revolves around your kids, your family, your people, and then if you might have some time or opportunity to do something for the church and the things of the Lord, you'll do that if it doesn't conflict with their activities, and you're this and you're that, God is not first. You love something else more. People don't like to admit it, but it's just a fact. Isn't it? And it's a problem. And Jesus said, even though you do that, and you think, well, I'll have, I'll, I'll enjoy all the time with my family, and we'll get to do everything that they want to do. No, you won't. You'll lose it. It'll slip through your fingers. You'll go, but y'all will fight and you'll have problems and you won't enjoy it and stuff will break and it won't work out. Why? Because you're living like unsaved people live. Your priorities are like theirs. And quantity of problematic time is not good. You're better off with a smaller quantity but a better quality. And when you put the Lord's things first, what did he say you would find? Put it back up, verse 39. He that finds what? His life. What's the competitor for serving the Lord? Your life. But if you find it, if that's what you live for and that's what you focus on, Jesus said you'll lose it. It'll slip through your fingers. But if you lose your life, what does that mean? You, other scriptures talk about laying down your life. What does that mean? Things that you could have done, maybe wanted to do, maybe they wanted to do, but you said, no, the Lord's things come first. So we can't do that right now. We'll do it later, maybe. If we got time, we got to do this. This comes first. If you do that, what did he say? You'll find what? Your life. The thing that everybody's scraping for and trying to hold on to and keep, you'll find. What does that mean? That means you push aside things that other people think are priority 
And you're not first. Your spouse is not first. Your kids and grandkids are not first. He's first. His things are first. The gospel is first. The kingdom is first. The body's first. The church is first. If and when you do that, even though it looks like you didn't get to do it and the kids didn't get to do certain things maybe that other folks did, the Lord will give you that. There will be times where you'll have natural things that you'll get to enjoy and do. Your life that you'll get to enjoy and do. But this time, the Lord's hand will be on it. And you'll genuinely enjoy it. And there will be peace and blessing and no problems. And you won't feel guilty for doing it because you know you've already done what you're supposed to do. And you can genuinely enjoy this. But if you just live for the other, you won't enjoy it. It won't be like it needs to be. Jesus said you'll lose it. How many Christians should be in active service to the Lord? I want us to ponder this. I want us to think about this. Huh? Who should be in active service? Well, who shouldn't be? Who's legitimately exempted from active service for the Lord? We studied a few weeks ago about who's supposed to do the work of the ministry. And we find out it's not the preachers. That's a radical thought to a lot of folks. But it's Bible. It's been there all the time. It's scriptures. We have an issue, what I call the two problem. T-O-O. The two syndrome. What does that mean? Why isn't everybody serving the Lord? They're too something. Too something. If you know everybody's supposed to be serving the Lord in some capacity, if you know there's opportunity for you to serve the Lord and there's need for you to serve the Lord, if you know all that, you got to have some reason why not. Why you're not. You got to have some justification. And that's where the two comes in. Too young, too old, live too far away, too busy. That's a big one, isn't it? Too busy, too busy, too important, too involved in too many things. Got too much going on at home, too much going on at school. Too involved in athletics. Too involved in business. Too involved. Live too far away. Too something. <laughs> Let me go over again this real slow. How many should be in active service to the Lord? What do you think? Huh? You think so? <laughs> Who's exempted? Well, what is your service to the Lord? What is your service to the Lord? Go to Luke 14, please. Some things don't necessarily make you shout when you first hear them. (laughs) But if you do them, you shout a lot later. Right? Luke 14, and down about verse 18 or so. Well, let's start in verse 16. Luke 14, 16. What will the truth do for you? It'll make you free. Is the Lord trying to take anything away from us? No. Uh He's helping us. In Luke 14, 16, it says, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many. He sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Everybody say, Come. Come, come. Verse 18, and they all with one consent begin to do what? Begin to do what? Excuse as to what? Why they can't come. Did you know you can do whatever you decide to do? You can. You do whatever is important to you. It's amazing how people don't have time for some things, and they make time 
for other things. It's a choice, isn't it? He said they began to make excuse. And the first one said, I am too invested in real estate. (laughs) I've bought a piece of ground. And I must. I know you understand. I got to go and see it. (laughs) Let's just stop right here. If he doesn't go see that land till next week or next month, where's that land going? That land is going nowhere. (laughs) But he's too, too successful, too invested. He said, uh, I got to go see it. So I pray you, he's polite about it. Please have me excused. Because I'm too too invested. Next verse, verse 19. Another said, I have about five yoke of oxen. I'm too busy. We got a job that these oxen have got to be on Monday morning. And I can't take these out if they're not ready. I got to go and hook up all the equipment. I got to make sure they're going to do the job. I got a business to run here. And I got to go prove them. So I pray you, please, he's polite, have me excused. And another one said, I'm too married. (laughs) I am so married, (laughs) I ain't got time to fool with anything else or do anything else. Man, I got a list of honeydews, long as your arm and... I'm too much a family man and too much uh, a husband. Uh, I can't come. He didn't even say, please have me. He just said, I can't. I can't. I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And verse 21. And the Lord said, I understand. You have a lot going on. And I know you've got to take care of your family and your, your land and your oxen. I know. And if you get around to it, just come when you can. Maybe next time. You can come. No, he didn't understand. Did he? And he did not excuse them. Did he? He was not okay with it at all. He was angry. Somebody say angry. 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 He said, go out quickly into the streets. Get the poor, the the maimed, the halt, the blind. People other folks wouldn't invite. Tell them come. Verse 22. The servant said, Lord, it is done as you commanded. And there's still room. Verse 23. The Lord said, go out to the highways and hedges. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Is the Lord looking for just a, a few now he's looking for everybody. Right? He wants everybody to come in. Everybody to be involved. Everybody to, be, to get in. Verse 24. But you say, none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. They're not going to get invited back. They missed their opportunity. Didn't they? And the Lord is righteous. He's righteous in everything he said. Because to be invited of the Lord is an honor. Isn't it? It's a privilege. And if you're too busy with your little piddly stuff to come, then somebody else ought to get it. Because you're not worthy of it. It's just a fact. When the Lord calls, I want you to tell me the appropriate response. When the Lord calls, come on, help me out. When He calls, what should you say? Thank you. Here I come. It doesn't matter what you had planned. Does it? Should anything else take preeminence over his call? No, it it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't even bring it up to him. Should you? The beginning days of Phyllis and my ministry, the Lord gave me a three-word commission 
Three words. Back in 1981. They were. Help Brother Hagen. Three words. Help Brother Hagen. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I was a little wet behind the ears. Country boy. And. He had staff and help all around him. And I thought well you know. What does he need me for? Help Brother Hagen. And what I didn't realize at the time, but they would say, not necessarily him, but people helping him around, say, we need somebody to uh, meet folks after the service and uh, greet them and uh, answer their questions. To me, I heard Brother Hagin needs help. So I raised my hand, and that's what I did. And I stacked books, and I filled out forms, and, and cleaned this and cleaned that, and did this, and one thing led to another, and led to another, and years later, they said, well, would you come teach in the Bible school? And what I heard is, Brother Hagin needs help in the Bible school. And I wasn't spending personal time with him. Are you with me? You understand this. And uh, needs help in the healing school, needs help in the prayer school. Eventually, he himself said he, he would accept help on the road or, and me to help him on the platform and other things. But that was my commission. And looking back now, I see clearer and clearer. People were saying uh, we could use help with this. And what was really happening, the Lord was saying, Amen. come. It was his voice. We need to have discernment. It doesn't mean you do every, any and everything that somebody invites you and asks you to do. Because they could miss it by asking you. But there are times when there are opportunities. And people are saying here is something going on for the Lord. And you need to be able to look past them and hear. It's not just them saying come. It's him. It's him. He's telling you come. Come get involved in this. Come be a part of this. Come help this go. Come make this work. Come do this. You can be involved in your, your sweat, in your effort, in your money, in your prayer, in your faith. There's a thousand ways you can get involved. But when he says come, tell me what is the appropriate answer. Yes, sir. Yes, Lord. Right? And come. And do not let your little schedule make his stuff take a back seat. Well, because that was our commission for year after year, ten years. 15 years. Then the Lord dealt with us that we should take care of the ministry he had given us, give it more attention. So I talked to him and he released us and, and we're left, we resigned from the school and, and we're out on the road and we're doing other things and everything's going well. And I'm praying uh, in a town uh, getting ready for a service and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I never released you from helping him. I had assumed because I wasn't working there, wasn't an employee there, that I wasn't helping him like I used to. He said, I never released you from helping him. I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So I found out where they were. Me and Phyllis went and met them, and I I asked them, I said, you know, can we help you? And and they said, yes, (laughs) which was an honor and a privilege. Remember, we, we studied last week, about how the Lord says, your ministry I give to you as a gift of service. People have the idea that, well, it's such a gift that I would minister to you. It's a great gift that you can minister to them. That the Lord would let you. He'd put something in your hand, give you the ability, give you the opportunity. It's a gift from God. And uh, at that point, we got our ministry going. And their ministry's going, which was full time, man, they'd be gone, stay two plus weeks at a time, come back for a week, get ready, go back out. And then, of course, we had stuff going too. And I remember there's been more than one time that we'd come in and, and you think, boy, you got a day off and, and you'd get a call. And uh, my commission would come ringing strong, but they'd say, you know, maybe it didn't seem like it was that important of a thing. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Can you help me with this? And I heard the commission, help Brother Hagen. It's not what he said. It's what the Lord said. Do you know the difference? When the Lord tells you to do something, even if they tell you you don't have to, (laughs) you should be seeing and hearing something bigger than them. Right? 
And what is the biggest competitor to that? Your life. Your life. Your life. We said concerning kids, grandkids, family. You got to watch this. People getting in the ditch on, on two sides of this thing. There's some people they're supposed to be so spiritual that the kids can't play any sports. They can't be involved in anything because they got to do spiritual things all day and night. They've got to pray. They've got to read the Bible. They've got to do this and do that. And that's wrong. I said, that's wrong. What you need to look at the bottom line, spiritual service is helping somebody. And all these motions that you're going through, who are who is that helping? If you're just being mechanical and spiritual in your mind, going through all these motions, and it's not helping anybody, it's not affecting anybody, meeting their needs, you're kidding yourself. But then people get out of that ditch and go across the road and get in the ditch on the other side of the road, and the kids... Uh, they got band practice, and they got soccer, and they got basketball, and they got football, and they got cheerleading, and they got this, and they got that, and they got the other, they got the other. And so they can't be involved in any service teams at the church. They can't be involved in this and that. And that's not okay. Because you're teaching them to be selfish. And they will grow up, and they won't put God first. They'll put their self first and their kids first, just like you taught them to. Not to say they can't be involved in some things. But the issue is what comes first. First. You're involved in the Lord's things first. Your service to Him. What is your service to the Lord? What are you doing that's benefiting the kingdom? It doesn't have to be preaching. It doesn't have to be teaching. It doesn't have to be prophesying. It can be shaking somebody's hand. Right? It can be cleaning a piece of carpet. It can be... Uh, wiping the kid's nose in, in the nursery, right? Yes. And the Lord calls that spiritual service and worship, doesn't he? But you're not just doing it to build a company, to make some money, to have some fun. You're doing it for the kingdom of God. You're doing it to the Lord, and you're doing it unto people. Can you say amen? amen. And when you put that first, as you have opportunity, you can do some natural things. They can be involved in some things, but that must not be first. And it must not make the things of God take a back seat. Or elsewise, what the Lord say, you're going to lose it. You'll lose it. It'll slip through your fingers. What should you do when the Lord calls? Help me out. When he calls. I don't care what you got planned. Right? Leave it. That land will be right there. What about my oxen? They could probably use another day of rest. Right? What about my wife? She'll get over it. <laughs> and your kids will too. They need to be taught. Your kids need to be taught by mama and daddy, not just in words, not just hear a word from the preacher once in a while. They need to be taught by example. Right? In the house every day of the week. You show them. You put God first. If we got time for the other stuff, we do it. But we don't put the things of God on the back shelf in order to do these things. Do you think a lot of folks have got things turned around and upside down? They do. How many of us are supposed to be in active service for the Lord? Do you believe that? What is your service to the Lord? If you can't answer that definitely and comfortably, then don't be satisfied till you find out. And be on the watch. Have your ears open. Have your eyes open. And when something you see an opportunity, don't just hear people talking. See if you hear the Lord talking to you. If he's saying, come, come do this. And when you discern that it's him, friend, everything else is backseat, right? Everything else. And didn't he say, put him first, and what would happen? Seek first the kingdom. What would happen? All these things that the world is clamoring after and using all their time and effort trying to get, they'll just be added to you. It'll be so wonderful. 
instead of struggling for it and trying every, every hour of every day to get it, it'll just come to you. Instead of you chasing it, it'll find you and overtake you. You'll be going along, doing the Lord's business, and you'll feel something behind you. Boom. What is that? Boom. It's a blessing. About to run you over. (laughs) Somebody say, thank you, Lord. What's the competitor for serving the Lord? My life. Our life. It's the two problem. Who's too old? To serve the Lord. We're going to talk more about this later. (laughs) We're not done with this. We're going to talk about retiring. (laughs) Who's too young? This is real simple. If you're old enough to understand what I'm saying. (laughs) That's it. You're the right age. To serve the Lord. There's examples of it. There's examples in the word, perhaps we'll get into them in time to come, of the very, very young being used of God for extraordinary things, and the very, very old being used for wonderful, amazing things, and of course, everybody in between. Who's too young to serve the Lord? Who's too old? Who's too rich? Too poor? Too smart? Too dumb? Too important? Too insignificant? Live too far away. I guess some people might think they're too close. I don't know. There's a two something. There's so many different twos. But it all boils down to the same thing. I can't come. I'm sorry. I can't come. And they imagine the Lord understands it. And he does not. He does not. He is not happy with it. In 1 John 2, this is the, this is the issue. 1 John 2.15. What did it say? Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world. The love of the Father is not in him. Can you see a competing here? He didn't say you can't love your family. He said you don't love them more than you do me. You don't put them ahead of me. Verse 16. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Verse 17, and the world's passing away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. That's why I don't use the word love in reference to natural things and natural activities. You can say you enjoy it. You like to do it some, whatever, but I don't say, I don't, I don't love cars, I don't love flying, I don't love clothes, I don't love, did you hear me? It's too strong a word. Now a lot of people use it, they're using it correctly, they do, they love it, they love it more than they do God. Now they wouldn't say that, oh I love God, but it's proof. As, because they keep putting it ahead of the things of God. It's proof that they love it more. Because they keep not being available and not having time for him to do this. Or to pursue this or to have this. So it's obvious they love this more than they do him. And he's not okay with that. He is not. He, did you know he's a jealous God? He will not share the number one spot with anybody Not your spouse, not your kids, not your grandkids, not your sport, not your fun, not you. He wants that spot. Hmm? Him and him alone. And you will have opportunities to demonstrate it. To prove that you love him more than you love that. That's one of the big reasons why he told the rich young ruler to give away everything he had. Why? Why? He didn't tell everybody to give everything away they had. Zacchaeus stood up and said, I'm going to give half. He didn't say, that's not enough. You've got to give everything. No, he said, salvation's come to his house today. Right? Why did he tell him that? Because his faith and his love was in his money. And it's proved because when the Lord said, give it all and come follow me. Come follow who? 
me. If you love him more, you won't blink an eye. You'll say, yes, sir. Whatever to be with you and to follow you. But he didn't love the Lord more. He loved his money more, and he couldn't stand with the idea of parting with all of that. And so he went away sad and depressed, proving he loved it more, which shows why the Lord put his finger on it. Don't love the world. 1 Corinthians 7 says you, you can use it, but don't abuse it. What does that mean? You, you need to do things in the world, but you need to remember, everything that's going on here is like a gallon of milk. It's got a date on it, right? And it's going to sour in a hurry. Everything down, every activity, every material thing, it is wearing out, it is rotten, it's rusting, it's not around for long. But he is around forever and his things. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it out loud, I don't love the world. I don't love love this life. I don't love stuff. I love God. I love the Lord more than anybody, more than anything. He is number one above all in my life. Hallelujah. Do you mean that? Well, if you do, your life will be better. What did he say? You lose your life for me, what will happen? You'll find it. You'll find what everybody else is trying to find. You'll find it. He'll give it to you. He'll add it to you. Go back then to John in closing. The 12th chapter. John 12 and 25. Who do you think should be in active service in the church, in the body? Including you? Yeah. What is your service to the Lord? If you're not sure about that... (laughs) Find it. Don't quit till you do find it. And one of the big things that why the Lord would lead us this way, one of the biggest keys to hearing him is getting your heart right. The least bit of unwillingness and stubbornness and rebellion will prevent you from getting direction from him. It's like trying to pick up an FM station on an AM band. You can do everything in the world. You can say, what I need is more power. And you can put amps all through your car and put great big whip antennas. You, it can sound like you're frying bacon three blocks away. And you will not pick up one FM station on the AM band. You can say, well, I need to get closer to the station. You can take your car and put the bumper of the car up against the radio station. And crank up all your amps. And what's going to happen? You're not going to hear one thing. Off the FM band. And you can't hear from God. You can't get direction about where you're supposed to be. And what you're supposed to be doing. Unless and until. You are genuinely willing. Everybody hear that? Hear that? You're genuinely willing to do it. Why should he tell you? And he knows you don't want to hear it. You're not willing to do it. You'd just be responsible for something else now. But when you really get willing. I said when you really get willing. You're willing to stay. You're willing to go. You're willing to give anything. Do anything. Help anybody. If he said do it. Come on are y'all with me now. Well I can't leave home. Why not? This ain't home. I live too far away. Ever thought about moving? Well, it's five generations. So, you see what I'm saying? People get so stuck. Well, I've lived my whole life. I've done this. No, you ain't. Your life ain't over. You haven't lived your whole life. I'm not just talking about doing something foolishly off the top of your head or because somebody suggested. I'm talking about being willing to. He might not ask you to do that, but if you're not willing to do it, you won't be able to hear the thing he is wanting you to do. You got to be willing to do anything, go anywhere, sow anything. If you're not, it's a problem. Look in, in John 12, verse 25. He that loves his life, what will happen? He'll lose it. 
If you live for this life, you, your stuff, your kids, your job, your business, your hobbies, your fun, if that's all you live for, you will lose it. Jesus said so. Red letters. It will slip through your fingers. You'll work and work and work and work and work and then it'll be gone. But he that hates his life in this world, boy, that's strong, isn't it? And the further I go, the more I feel that way. You know, it's just, this life ain't it. And the stuff, thank God for any nice thing we enjoy, but it just, it doesn't compare with what's coming up. Everything down here is temporary, temporary. Temporary. Do you believe it? So, so temporary. And if we act like we're going to do this and that forever and this is our life, we're just fools. We can enjoy some things here and there, but our main thing is not our life in this world. If you push it aside and say, no, this is not the main thing to me, you'll keep it, Jesus said. Your life unto life eternal. Verse 26. If any man serve me, let him do what? Doesn't that sound like when he said come? When he says come, what do you do? You come. Wherever he says come. He told Phyllis and me, come to Broken Arrow. We thought, where in the world is that? (laughs) Come to Branson. We thought, why? Come to Sarasota. Really? Come. Boy, but every time we answered and showed up. Exceeding, abundantly, above what we thought or asked or dreamed. I know uh, in Tulsa, Phyllis and I had believed God for every dollar, every tank of gas, every tuition payment for 20-some years. And we had just got into the house that we'd been believing for for the past 15. God worked a miracle. We got an amazing house. Phyllis had always wanted to do a kitchen a certain way. And I had told her for years, for decades, you know, well, just keep believing, you know, just keep believing. Somebody walked up and handed her an envelope full of money. And she did this outstanding kitchen in our new house. We'd been in there just a few years. I'd got an airplane hanger. It's paid for. It's 10 minutes from the house. I'm in traveling ministry. Everything's wonderful. Got invitations from now until the millennia. And everything was great. And the Lord says, go to Branson. I did a little research. I thought, I found out. They got a little airport up there. It's 3,500 feet long and got a cliff on both ends with big rocks. Or he got to drive to Springfield or something. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, for a few weeks, I'm thinking, wow. You know, Phyllis just got her kitchen done. We, we just got this. We were in a place you could be comfortable. Huh? We were in a place where, man, this new house had a big swimming pool and outdoor area where you could barbecue and... I had a motorcycle and a dog and a <laughs> and I began thinking, well Lord, I, it'd be like starting over again. Nobody knows us up there. It took us twenty years to get to this place. Then we talk about retiring. We uh this year we're thirty years in the ministry. A lot of people retire. What do you think? Phyllis and I, 30 years. Huh? 30 years hard after it. Don't you think we could kick back now? So what, another five years? And retire? 10. No? I can't retire after 40 years of service? Well, then what are you doing? Pardon me. How many of you think ought to be in active service? I think everybody should be. I remember after a few weeks of that thinking about 
because I, you know, I want to obey God. But I'm really thinking, of things. and of course, we, we lived in a little place that had issues for a year and a half, and we didn't get a salary at the church for a year plus, and there was a number of things, and uh, it wasn't easy to travel, and I'm thinking about all that before we ever made the move. And I remember one day I was standing in the mirror getting ready and, and, and shaving and checking my hair, and, and uh, I was thinking about all that, and the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me. He said, Keith. Do you not believe I'm able to give you more than this? I said, yes, sir. I do believe you're well able to give me more than than what I got in my hand right now. What is he telling me? Turn loose up. Don't look back. Trust me. He said, I'll give you the best of Branson. That's what he said to me. And he did. Don't we have one of the best places in Branson? We We do. He did. He did. But he said that to me. He said, do you not believe I can do better for you than this? I said, yes, sir. Forgive me. And I quit it. I quit it. We walked away from everything. And they haven't missed it. And it took a little while. Everything doesn't happen overnight or even in a year. But I'm telling you, we are far better off in every dimension, in every way. Than we were there. How many think it pays to obey the Lord? It pays. But if you, what if we'd have clung to it? I worked hard for this. We just, see it's fear, isn't it? Well man, I'm, I'm getting a little older here and this and that. I don't want to just go start over from scratch and do this. You won't be. Who said you had to start over from scratch? You might have to make a few sacrifices, be a little uncomfortable, but if you're not willing to do something for the Lord, where's your commitment? Right? And how many believe he's a good, 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 good God? He will do exceeding abundantly above what you thought he, he will. How many can raise a hand? Anybody that ever walked away from anything for the Lord, can you raise your hand and say, he is faithful. He will bless you. He will do for you far beyond. Anything you walked away from or turned loose up to serve him. What did he say? Put that verse up again, please. If any man will do what? Serve me. Let him do what? Follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. Where is home for us? Wherever he is. What does that mean? Wherever he's calling us. Said, here I am, help me. Geographic location should not matter. Economic climate, nothing this. What about my family? The greatest thing you ever did for your family was follow God with all your heart. That's the only example you want to set for anybody around you. Right? And it may look like in some junctures that you're getting further apart and you're following him all the way and they're not. But you watch and see. It may take five years, ten years, fifteen, twenty. But the time will come where they'll come full circle and you'll be in a position to help them now. And you would not have been. Some of the very people that tried to talk me out of going into the ministry and following God 15 years later patted me on the back and said, boy, you did the right thing. Well, if I listened, I started to say, if I listened to you, I wouldn't have, but, but I, I didn't say that. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, that's where my servant's going to be. Are you his servant? Yes. Come on, anybody here, the servant of the Lord, raise your hand if you say, I am the servant of the Lord. So where's home for you? Wherever he is. Wherever he's calling me. And if any man serve me, here's the, the jumping, shouting, glad part. If any man serve me, what will happen? Him will my Father honor. He said, them that honor me, I will honor. Man, we studied about that some months ago, didn't we? About the Lord honoring us. And I'm telling you, what does it involve? Mostly it involves His presence being with us. His favor. It's His protection. His, him healing us is honoring us. Amen. His prospering us is honoring us. How many would like His honor Forget the world's honor. His honor. And if you serve him, that's what you'll get. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Stand on your feet, everybody.
Oh, thank you, Father. 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 Just close your eyes. Set your heart and mind on Him. Hallelujah. Pray it out loud, Father God. Forgive me for any time you called and I didn't come. There's no excuse for it. Forgive me for loving anybody or anything more than you. That's unacceptable. It is not my heart. It is not my choice. I choose to love you above everything. Show me again where you want me. Where it pleases you and where you would grace me to be of service. Of genuine help to you, to your church, to your people. I'm willing, wherever, whenever, with whomever, I'm willing, whatever you say is my desire. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.